If you're 60 years old today, there's a good chance you'll live to 100. Are you prepared? Welcome to Your Longest Life, the podcast all about exploring how we can live our best life as we age. Here's your host, Ian Thompson. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to Your Longest Life. This is Ian Thompson and with me, my guest today is Nancy Schlossberg. Nancy, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Terrific. Now, I'm just going to read a bit about who you are and uh, what you're going to add to our show today. It's going to be terrific. I think you've got so many insights into what we're doing here. You're a professor emerita of counseling psychology at the University of Maryland. Uh, yes. You published 10 books. Is that correct? Correct. Awesome. On transitions in life. Nancy's done hundreds of interviews and focus groups on this topic. Now 91. Nancy joins us today from Sarasota, Florida, where her insights about um, well, retirement, and let's start with that. Nancy, what is the definition of retirement? It, is there such a thing? Well, it's a terrible word when it's used for how we use it. And I know when I was publishing my books, the publisher wanted to come up with a new word. If you used, it's a transition, but so is everything else. So it's very hard. Uh, I made the decision to keep with the word retirement um, even though it is not an ideal word. Because if you look it up in the dictionary, it's very negative. You know, retreat, give up. I yes. don't know. So anyway, retirement is actually ending one part of your life and then having the opportunity to recast your life and follow new dreams or old dreams revisited. And you've done that quite a bit. I think when I was reading about your background, you retired when you were 68, I think. Yeah, I was 68 when I retired. But what my daughter said is that the only thing retired about you is your paycheck. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I highlighted that here. Yes. So um, I retired. I, I, what prompted it was um, I was walking from a retirement party of a, fa a faculty member, and I happened to be walking between two deans. And they were talking about this woman who was uh, in her 70s, still very vibrant. And there were, they were saying, she should have left years ago. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want anybody to ever say that about me. So I think I better go while the going is good. And so I retired and did a uh, not too intelligent thing. My husband and I uh, moved to re to Sarasota. So I was doing two major transitions simultaneously, which isn't the best thing to do, but it worked out okay. That was about 22 years ago. And here now, I am, still alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Um, we talked about, uh, you know, the different things that, that you've that you've learned and working seems to be working longer is one of them is that clearly you're still working now you're still in demand you talked about that before we started the show and that's something you would say to people to find something and keep going keep well keep it's interesting active. that you raise this question i got an email today from a woman i know very talented woman who works for a newspaper and she said she is thinking of retiring in fact she said i'm pretty sure I'm going to retire. Um, and 
She was asking what we thought, but she let us know she's made the decision. Mm -hmm. I wrote back and said, you know, to, whether to retire or not is certainly up to the individual. But I raise a question. When you're thinking about retirement, think about the possibility of the easing out of your job. If you can possibly ease out so that you're still connected in some way. And I'll tell you why. I've done a lot of research around the concept of mattering, M-A-T-T-E-R-I-N-G. And that is a term and a concept developed by the late Mars Rosenberg, a sociologist. And he said, and I agree, that people basically need to feel they matter, to feel attended to, to feel they count, like Willie Loman in The Death of a Salesman. I want to be counted. Very often when you retire, even if it's a wonderful thing to do for you, you end up after a while feeling you don't count anymore. You don't have a platform. You don't have a purpose. So I think you need to be aware that that can happen. But if you can leave your job, if it's possible, to go part-time for a while and just ease out of it as you find new passions and new things in which you can become involved. When we, when you did your research, you talked about uh, the importance of a strong psychological portfolio. Yes. Which well, is interesting. Every, hopefully you have a, financial portfolio, if you're lucky enough to have enough money for a financial portfolio. And that's one of the first things people do on retirement. They talk to financial people. Can I afford to retirement? Um, and then a lot of people, by the way, go through income withdrawal syndrome. Mm. And okay. so these things out. But just as important, I found, as your financial portfolio is your psychological portfolio. And there are three parts to it. One is your identity. You know, you and I have met. First thing we talk about is what I did. I know you're a realtor and you're in, in podcasting now. And that's part of your identity. That is central to your identity. So when you retire, you lose that tag. And um, for a while, I had a lot of trouble about what to put on a card. When I was at the university, there were a lot of things on the card. Then I retire. I don't know who I am. What am I going to do in retirement? What do I put on a card? So your identity is very central to your psychological portfolio. And very much related to that is your purpose your sense of purpose. What, what makes you get up in the morning? What helps you organize your day, your year, your week? What helped? What, what's your passion? And the third is relationships and how they are going to change both personal and work relationships. And actually, in not the last book, but the book before the last book, is called Revitalizing Retirement, uh, Reshaping Your Identity, Relationships, and Purpose. 
And that's really the whole story. You are reshaping your identity. You're not changing it completely. You're reshaping your identity, your relationships and purpose. I find that um, there was a fellow in my Rotary Club who, you know, lost his wife and and he was just extremely lonely after that. Like he wasn't wasn't involved in anything else. And 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 we sort of watched watched the decline. It was it was very very disappointing, very upsetting to a lot of us. You think, ah, oh, geez, you know, how did that happen? And yeah. and and it seems like as a rule, the perhaps the the female partner in the relationship is the social driver of right. things many times. I, I don't know if you've had experience with that and and the other, or one of the two partners is the social driver, I'll say. And yeah. the other one just sort of goes along, hey, tonight we're going out for dinner over here. And then this weekend, we're going to go do that. When that person's gone, this person's like, well, someone else has done that for me Yeah, all this exactly. time. Yeah, you hear that all the time. And more for men at a loss than women, because often it is tradi- in traditional mm-hmm. woman who does make a lot of the arrangements. Um and people are lost. But, you know, it's more than just your spouse when we're tra- looking at relationships. The people you work with, the people in the old days when we had coffee and it didn't work at home, the people you, you sort of, the strangers in your midst. Um, Jane Brody just said a wonderful column in the New York Times on how important strangers are these strangers we see on a regular basis. But anyway, you lose you, you lose your work relationships. Now I have to tell you a funny story. I was invited to make a speech at either you know, at Georgia State. And my husband uh, was invited to consult with a, with a group there. So he came with me. And therefore, when I made the speech, he came over to the speech because he's right there. And nobody in the audience knew he was there. So this was a session on retirement and Q&A question, how has retirement affected your relationship? (laughs) I said, well, it's been absolutely horrible. And I burst out laughing and I said, well, you have to know my husband is in the front row. But I will tell you what I mean by that. In my case, I always work. I took off a semester for each child, but I was one of the women, and it was rare in my day that a woman would work. And that's a whole other story of why Mm -hmm. I worked in my husband's role in that. I said, so I'm used to being independent. Now I'm retired. And every time I go to leave the apartment, he says, where are you going? What time will you be back? And I, I said, I'm not used to having a supervisor. So I used to make up little operatic things. If you keep asking me where I'm going, I will. You know, I got very dramatic in it. So then over the years, he stopped asking. And I have to tell you, as I look back on our life together, I really love that he cared where I went when I'd come back. But at first, it it was very dismaying. Then I did a workshop. I did a lot of workshops. But in one workshop on retirement, one woman said, I am feeling guilty all the time. I'm retired. 
my adult children live in another state. They expect that I will come whenever my husband and I want to go on a trip, they, that they are going to be available to me. I didn't retire to become a babysitter and I feel guilty. So that's a whole other dimension to changing relationships. Everything's up to grabs. When, when you retire, your daily routines are changed. Uh, what you think about, where you go, how you dress. Not today with the pandemic because we're right. all you know, um, not going out. So really retirement changes your identity, how you introduce yourself, how you see yourself, your relationships, your intimate relationships, your more distant relationships, and your purpose as you have to get a new purpose. I found interesting you talked about six ways to get a life after retirement. We used to say that all the time, get a life, get a life. And now we're saying, here we are. Here's six different ways. Can you go through those? Just Yeah, well, people love to talk about them. Um, what I found through my interviews was that there are different ways that people find a life. And by the way, the path that you take isn't the path you're going to stay on forever. Your title of your podcast has to do with longevity. Mm -hmm. Since we're living longer, we will have many opportunities to moderate and modify our path. But the basic paths, the first one that I talk about is a continuer. Now, I am a continuer. I don't teach at a university anymore. I don't work full time anymore. But when I do work, it's in my field. I am still continuing to do research and thinking and talking about the issues that I have always thought and talked about, mm -hmm. mostly adults and transition. So I am a continuer. That's somebody who modifies what they did. Then there are adventurers. And I'm not thinking of the Gauguin type. I'm thinking of somebody who does something very different. And um, there was a man I interviewed. He ran a um, research, it wasn't a center, but it was a research project for Congress. And he was the kind of guy, he wore a suit and a tie, and he had a good-looking briefcase. And then all hell broke loose. His, he had a definite, his family, one of his children. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition, the research unit was clo uh, closed off by Congress, and he didn't know what to do. And he remembered a time in his life when he went sailing for a week by himself, and he thought, that's what I've got to do. So he went sailing to think about life, and when he came back to everybody's shock, he said, I'm going to become a massage therapist. Now, does that fit the picture of this uh, Congress guy with, with a briefcase? And he, he got training and he became a massage therapist. But what was interesting about that is after he died several years later, and I talked about him in one of the retirement books, 
his wife wrote me a letter and she said she could not read my book when it when he died but now when she reread it she realizes how proud she was that he could follow something he wanted to do even though it didn't fit and quote the mold mold yeah so um he was an adventurer many people become docents for museums that's adventuring by adventurer i mean you're doing something you hadn't done before i've always thought i would become a realtor <laughs> there you go because well, I like to talk to people i like to see what their interests are i mean i thought that'd be perfect for me in retirement but anyway um you do something different then there are the searchers and if you're not a searcher today you will be someday searching what am i going to do with my life how am i going to make sense of my life and we'll become searchers several times in our lives then there are the easy gliders or they they've got it made they, <laughs> they they have no agenda they just wake up in the morning and let the day unfold and let come what may and that's a very different type it's certainly not my type but i envy them because they don't fuss and worry about what they're doing and mm. they're easy gliders and uh, i have to look at my book i do you have that's it okay. right yeah one was a one was an involved spectator ah that's involved spectator that's a big one now my husband was an involved spectator he was a in politics and uh law and he could no longer walk the halls of congress and fight for the issues but he was a news junkie he was involved and down in florida here where i live there are many retired museum directors they're involved in the world of art but they're spectators now they're not running a museum so it's real and one woman at a meeting said oh i'm so glad that you said involve spectator i know what to put on my next card <laughs> and then there are the retreaters and there're two kinds of retreaters there's the retreater that says this is a chance to step back and breathe deeply and think about my life and then move on the other kind of retreater is the person who has no purpose cannot figure it out and becomes a total couch potato so mm -hmm. that's not functional the first kind is did i get them all yes do you I, did yes do you did yes the the quiz <laughs> <laughs> flying colors my friend flying colors let's talk let's talk a bit about the having the purpose let's go back to that again you talked about a volunteer workforce and something called a workateer you know that was the best darn idea <laughs> um, the senior friendship center uh here we have a wonderful centers here that very different from any senior center i've ever seen there's jazz music every day with retired jazz mu musicians you walk in there's dancing there's retired doctors who run a health clinic for the for indigent oh, wow. i mean it it is fabulous so anyway the head of it said i have a project but i can't pay you exactly what you would be worth on the market 
and I'd like to call you. I don't want you as a volunteer. So they made up the name Worketeer. And um, I loved the name. I loved being a yeah. Worketeer. And I wrote um, a little article about it and sent it to one of the aging magazines. And they rejected it saying it's not a trend. No, it's not a trend, but it'd be a great trend. It's that in between. You don't you have a skill and you want to be recognized for the skill and appreciated for the skill. And you're not a volunteer, but you're not a full-time worker. So that was just a you know, a yeah. little stint in my life. Yeah. I was gonna read something you said you talked about in your transition and you look at three major parts of the transition theory coping with life's ups and downs. I mean, that's the reality of being retired, isn't it? It's not all, you know, bells and whistles and happy times. You're going to have peaks and valleys. And you had three things to look at uh, during, if you're overwhelmed and coping with ups and downs, examining the degree to which your life has altered through changes in your roles. That was the first one, I think. And locate where you are in the transition process. And that's that's, I think, talks about the, the timing, it, it might be this, it sounds great now, but five years from now, it's not. And then five years after that, it's going to change again. So maybe you'd like me to talk a little bit about the transition model. I mm -hmm. want to do it in short bits. Maybe we can divide it because it's in my last book. There are two chapters that detail it. The book Overwhelmed is for younger people. And that really outlines the whole transition model. But all of us are probably in the midst of multiple transitions at any point in time. You've just made a transition. You've started a podcast. Mm -hmm. I assume you're continuing your real estate. I don't know what else is going on in your life, but probably other things. So we're all in transition. And... We can, some are big and some are little. Some are voluntary. Some happen to us. We're forced out of the workforce. So, some we can control. Some we can't control. But the real issue is a transition is an event like retirement, like having your first child, like uh, uh, a lot of events. It is an event or a non-event. A non-event is a transition that didn't happen, that you expected to happen, the promotion you didn't get, right. the baby you thought would be born, the relationship you thought would continue. So a transition is an event or a non-event that changes your life. If it's a big one, it's going to change your role in life worker to non-worker, your relationships, your daily routines, and your assumptions about the world. So it's changing your life. And then eventually, over time, you, you get a new life. You develop a new role, relationships, routines, or assumptions. So think of it, you know, time over time, the transition interrupts the life you've had and then helps you get a, a new life together. And there's no time frame. 
How long does it take to get over being mm -hmm. a widow? Yes. There's no time frame. There's more to it, but let's stop there. Okay. One of the, the other things you mentioned was uh, having your own mission statement, which I found interesting being in the business world for many years. We talk about business mission statements all the time. And now perhaps it's an idea for a retirement mission statement. What exactly is Ian going to do? Yeah, the woman I was interviewing for the retirement book said that she realized she didn't she didn't have a purpose, and she thought, well, I help organizations develop mission statements. I've got to develop a mission statement for myself, and that's where that idea came from. And I think it's a pretty good idea. What's your mission statement? And um, you know, that changes over time. I never thought I would live this long and I never thought I would be working now. I mean, I, that, that's a surprise to me. It wasn't part of my mission statement. But anyway, as we live longer, things do change. And the, uh, I, I guess you're finding people being prepared financially as well. Obviously, that's something that you know, you, you you can control on, but that's part of it working longer too, isn't it? Yeah. To help with that. Well, I was interviewing a man. He was the um, CFO of a Fortune 100 company. His pension was a million dollars. Wow. Pension alone. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so we're sitting talking and he said, I have all the money in the world but retirement is hollow. I said, what do you mean? He said, look, this is solid. And he beat on the table and he said, it's hollow. I, I never thought, what am I going to do with my life? What's my purpose? So you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have a sense of purpose and a mission statement, you can be pretty miserable. Yeah, we do tend to focus on the financial part. Yes, but it's not the whole story. Um, but they're both important, your financial portfolio and your psychological portfolio. They're important, both. Awesome. So a piece of advice, what would that be going forward for people that are, hey, this is around the corner, top three well, things we should think about? Okay. I defined a transition, an event or a non-event that changes your life. And it's a process over time from the time you thought about retiring to the time you actually retired to two years out. So it's a process. But the question is, why do some people deal with it easily and other people, it's a struggle? Well, from, the transitions are always a bit of a struggle, but the the, the, the last piece of the transition theory is how you deal with it, how you deal with getting a new life, leaving one life, getting a new life, how you deal with it depends on what I call your 4S system. And that is your resources. What are your resources for coping? And they change over time. Your resources, what's your situation? At the time, let's take retirement. Mm -hmm. Your spouse has just died. If something dreadful has happened to you, your situation is not a, a positive right then. 
if you're if you have uh, no supports, uh, that's not good. When I did a project, or my de the department I worked in at the university, we had a contract with NASA Space Flight Center, and we worked with people when their jobs were eliminated, and NASA gave them institutional support. Everyone whose job was eliminated was connected to somebody in human resources, and that was institutional support. And then a lot of them were very upset about how their wives would feel. These were, it turned out that it was all men who were, whose jobs were eliminated, but that was by chance. And they were very worried. It happened at uh, Thanksgiving. And how were they going to tell their families about this? And some of the wives were very understanding and supportive, and others were not. So the degree to which you have support, and this is true for any transition. What's your situation at the time? Is it positive or negative? What are your supports? Do you have a lot of supports or not? What about you, yourself? Are you good at coping? Are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? And the fourth is strategies. What kind of coping strategies do you use? Are you able to use lots of strategies flexibly? So those are the four S's. Those are your potential resources as you're dealing with any transition. And so what happens is once you figure out which of those S's are a plus and which are a minus, you go to work on the minus and uh, try to strengthen your, your resources. Now you know everything I know. <laughs> I don't think that's quite possibly true, but uh, I know we're out of time. It's just been you know terrific hearing your insights, Nancy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Longest Life with Ian Thompson. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and share it with others. For more info, articles, and to get in touch with Ian, visit yourlongestlife.com.